0: Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Good morning, I'm Walt McDowell, as indicated, one of the elders here at New Covenant Church, and thank you, Jeremy, and the worship team. It was great. And I'm not sure it was wise to have both Jeremy and myself up here at the same time on the same weekend, because when we were together in children's worship, we were just a little bit rowdy, and we got carried away a little bit. But as was mentioned earlier by Brian, Dave is with the youth at the winter retreat this morning, and as a result, we're going to take a brief break from our verse-by-verse teaching in the book of Revelation. And Dave will be back next week <clears throat> with a message for, for the church of Sardis. Dave has asked the elders to start preaching, and I think that is a great idea. My goal today, when I am done, is to have him change his mind, so, okay, yes, and after preparing this message for the past month, I really don't know how Dave does it every week, but I'm certainly thankful that he does, because I've truly been enjoying the teaching on Revelation, how about you on that? All right, so a little bit about me, I've been a member of New Covenant Church for 23 years. And there are a few other families here that have been here longer. I think the, the Millars, the Morrises, and the Holtmans have been here longer. Is there anyone else that's been here longer than 23 years as part of New Covenant? One? All right. So great. So um, I've worked in children's ministry from 2007 to 2017. And many of those years is one of the awesome Debbie Fillion's minions. So I've been very involved in the life of your children and grandchildren, and many of them are grown now. So, therefore, I'm used to teaching in a smaller setting that's very interactive, so I may need some help today. Okay, Bob, can you help me out too? All right. All right. So, a little more about me. I'm married to Jenny, and we have two adult daughters. Our eldest, Megan, uh, lives in Texas, and she serves in children's ministry at her church after serving with me in children's ministry for many years. Our youngest daughter, Mackenzie, is currently studying abroad in Korea, And she served in the toddlers for many years here at New Covenant. And once she graduates college, she's planning on living in Hawaii. Sounds tough, doesn't it? (laughs) So as an elder of the church, I get asked, what does an elder at New Covenant do? And that's a good question because in many church structures, elders and deacons do different things. So we feel that an elder's job is to put himself between attacks on the church with false doctrine or false teaching. To teach and preach, to be a shepherd to those in the congregation, and to meet practical needs in the church, whether that's serving in the coffee coffee bar, serving in the children's ministry, or visiting those um, who are sick or ill. I was thinking about titling this sermon, A Life of Walking with Jesus, but that seemed kind of boring. So I really want to do something much deeper spiritually, so now I'm calling it Lessons I Learned While Tandem Bicycling. So since Dave started with a prop, his puzzle box, I don't know if you remember his puzzle box, I've decided to bring up my own own prop. So Todd's going to help me out here as we bring it up. May take a little bit of an effort. It's a little bit bigger than a puzzle box. All right. There we go. Hopefully it'll stay. Hopefully sorry you all have a hard time seeing it over there. So you may be thinking, what does a tandem bike have to do with our teaching and revelation? Absolutely nothing. But I bet that the letters to the seven churches would have made it faster if the messengers had a tandem bike. Okay. So in September, Jenny and I will have been married 35 years. Yeah. It's exciting. And in one way, that seems like a long time, but in others, it's, it's really flown by. And Jenny and I are pretty like-minded in most things, except bicycling. So, one thing about Jenny, and I do have her permission to say this, she's not very athletic or coordinated. She can fall down standing in our backyard. Okay? She, she let me say this, she has reviewed this. Okay? <laughs> So, we have agreed to disagree about bicycling in our household. So, let me paint a picture for you. We were out in our front yard one day in October of 2021, and someone drove up with a tandem bicycle on top of their Subaru. Jenny told me that she bought that used tandem from friends for us to ride together. So, let me back up a bit. As an avid, and some may say extreme, bicyclist, I trained to race in events Um, over very long distances. So I'll typically ride an hour or two every day, and about three to seven hours on every Saturday. And this is how Jenny feels when I'm gone on Saturdays, now that we're empty nesters. (laughs) So... But since she is good at solving problems, that is how she solved this one. She bought a bike that we could ride together. I initially thought it was a prank. Mind you, Jenny had not ridden a bike in over 25 years. So we started biking together, and we almost got divorced. <laughs> we would return from our rides angry, tired, frustrated, and not having any fun. There's a reason they call these things divorce bikes, by the way. But while we were doing all that, I came across a, uh, a quote that really had an impact on me. And it says this, a tandem takes a marriage in the direction it is going, only faster. And that really made me think, was our relationship going the wrong way? Were we letting our love stagnate and getting to the point where we had nothing in common anymore? Were we as a married couple heading in the wrong direction? Was I in my relationship with Jesus heading in the wrong direction? Was I loving Jenny as Christ loved the church, as I am instructed and told to do in Ephesians 4.25 and Colossians 3.19? Or was I letting my love for Jenny and Jesus get lukewarm? I took some time to pray, read the Bible, and really reflect and do a status check on my relationships and the direction in which they were heading. And since I'm always thinking about biking and bicycling, I have come up with this realization that riding a tandem bike can strengthen my marriage relationship with Jenny. And I would like to add a short disclaimer here. While a lot of this message may be about my marriage relationship with Jenny, and I know some of you are single, divorced, or widowed, please don't tune me out, because while I talk about marriage, there's another relationship I want to talk about today that will be of interest to you that i want you to hear about. The ways I've come up to strengthen my relationships include these seven insights, which I'd like to share with you today. And they are direction, teamwork, communication, perseverance, trust, protection, and maintenance. And before I dig deeper into these seven insights, let me quickly go over the tandem bicycle. On a tandem, the person in the front is called the pilot, and the person in the back is called the stoker. And to show Dave that I've done my homework, in Greek, pilot is pilotos, and stoker is thermastes. okay? That's all for Greek today. We're done with Greek. All right. So on this bike, if you can see it, you'll notice there's two chains, one chain in the rear for the gearing, then this one chain up front, it's on the inside, that joins the pilot to the stoker. There's also two sets of handlebars, but only the front handlebars steer. There's only one set of brake levers, and those are on the front. The pilot controls the brakes. And what are the roles of the pilot and the stoker? The pilot steers, brakes, shifts gears, sets the pace, and warns of hazards on the road ahead. The stoker is essentially a wrong for the ride, although Jenny disagrees with that. <laughs> okay. So the stoker's job is to pedal, contribute to worthwhile conversation, and when asked, provide you know, hand signals or look for traffic. So in short, it is not the stoker's job to drive the bike. And I feel that tandem biking is the perfect analogy for our relationship with our spouse, And with Jesus. So let's get to my seven points this morning. Oh, where's David? David, do I get extra credit for having seven points versus Dave's five? What do you think? Uh, Okay, sure, okay, even though they don't all start with the same letter, right? Okay, I'll have to work on the same letter thing for next time. But my first point is direction. And what is the proper way to ride a bike or tandem? Well, I know some of you, kind of like Joey over there, will try to ride a bike this way. There is a proper direction to face when riding a bike that makes it work much better. Okay. Additionally, the stronger and more experienced rider is usually the pilot. And we've tried having Jenny up front on the bike in, once, and it did not go very well. And as mentioned, the pilot steers the bike in the direction or the path we're going. In this picture, This is what the pilot sees. In this next picture, this is the same view. This is what Jenny as the stoker sees. She sees that handsomely rugged fellow in that spandex. All right. So as you can see, Jenny can't see what is directly on the road ahead of us. If she wants to have a good view, she either has to look off to the side, try to look over my shoulder, but she really has to rely on the pilot for the direction. Life with Jesus is absolutely like this. Our lives take twists and turns that we can't see, and we never see coming, and we never expect them because we're looking off to the side or we're distracted by other things. But He can see it, and the future is laid open to Him in a way that is not for me. And here's the thing about direction. When you're the pilot, the pilot sees the bumps and the hazards in the road, and sometimes he steers around them, and sometimes, he hits the bumps. And when we're on the back, we kind of get angry and frustrated when we hit some of those little bumps. But what we didn't see was a big pothole that would have taken us off the bike. So sometimes, we need to realize that we, that we don't always go in a straight path, and that he is in charge of our directions, and his plans for our lives do not always involve that straight line that we think it should. In Jeremiah 29-11, it states, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So we want to go, be going in the direction of hope, but we need to remember there has to be someone else on the bike with us, which is my second point, which was teamwork. On the tandem, we are literally, in a good way, chained together. And if I'm pedaling, Jenny has to be pedaling. There's no stopping once we're going. Meaning, we have to pedal in sync at the same time, which sometimes means compromise, which is not a bad thing. Let me explain. When we're riding on this bike, I am clipped into the pedals, kind of like ski boots, I lock in and clip in. Jenny is not, and she will not. So as a result, I can get the pedals spinning too quickly, which sometimes can cause Jenny's feet to fly off the pedals which is a disaster waiting to happen. So sometimes, I have to remember to slow down. I have to be riding or going at a pace that both of us can maintain and not get ahead of her or not cause her feet to fly off the pedals. So we have to be going at the same pace to stay safely together on the bike. So let me ask, so, if, what happens if we're riding along at a good pace and we hit a really steep hill and one of us stops pedaling? Any thoughts what would happen? Yeah, I've seen some hand signals. Yeah, exactly. So, either one of us would have to do all the work, and if that person can't do all the work, you're probably going to stop and either have a controlled crash or you're going to have an uncontrolled crash. So, we have to be working together. We have to work to push up the hill or we'll crash or we'll fall. Therefore, the ride goes much smoother when you are coordinated, going at the same pace and working together even if it is at a very slow speed. You want to stay at that same pace with each other. Similarly, in our relationship with Jesus, we are chained together, but sometimes we get going we, sometimes we fail to be going at the same pace or the same direction. He may be leading us to full-time ministry, serving in the church, making a job change, or moving forward in a relationship. And when he's doing that, what are we doing? A lot of times we're sitting on the back seat, trying to turn the handlebars, dragging our feet on the ground, trying to hit the brakes, or we're just jumping off the bike, right? So our actions on the back of the bike directly affect both of us and can cause the bike to veer off course hit the potholes, or even make us crash. And the second aspect of teamwork is that you are no longer a soloist. Since I've been riding a solo bike for many years and racing a solo bike for years, I've developed habits as a soloist that negatively affect us when riding on the tandem. On my single seat or solo bike, I can go whatever direction I want, when I want to. I don't have to wait for Jenny to be ready. I don't have to worry about teamwork or direction. I can go at whatever pace I feel like. And I can wander aimlessly on backcountry roads until I run out of water, food, or I get lost in an area with no cell coverage. That has happened. And this is the same way we tend to act before we have a marriage-like relationship with Jesus. When we're on our own, we do what we want, when we want, regardless of the destination or the direction we're heading, which is usually in the wrong direction. Dave has told us previously that he did not have an early life that was honoring of Jesus. I did not either. While I was called the good kid in high school, and I could get away with a lot, I was anything but good. I was on my path to becoming an alcoholic when I asked Jesus into my life. But initially, I treated Jesus like he was the team mascot, not the leader or the pilot in my life. When I finally came to my senses, put Jesus in his rightful place as the Lord of my life, and decided to truly follow him, the path became clearer. And I had a sense of camaraderie, direction, and peace. I was now chained to him and could rely on him to be the teammate I needed to navigate life in a way that was honoring to him not in a way that I was trying to honor myself. And this does not mean I was his equal. It means that I was to be his ideal teammate and follow his leading and direction. Remember, he is the pilot and I am the stoker and my job on the back is not to drive the bike. And this teaming relationship is with Jesus is how we need to ride through life in order to follow the path He has for us. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it states, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Before I hopped on the bike with Jesus, I was riding in darkness. I thought I knew the right path for my life, but I was wrong. I was, going in, I was heading in the wrong direction. I had to assume the correct position on the back Follow and follow him directly and follow the one who had the light. I, didn't, I couldn't be off to the side and I couldn't be ahead of him, otherwise I wouldn't be in his light. Because we need to be following right behind Jesus who is our light in the world. And we cannot say that about any other teammate that we may put in the front seat, including our spouse. Jesus is the only one who will lead us that way and lead us in the right direction. But even with having Jesus... As my pilot does not mean that all of the bumps or hazards are removed from my life. As I'll discuss in my next topic communication, we're still gonna have those. And for us, our communication starts before we get on the bike. We have to agree on our destination, the direction, how far are we going in terms of either distance or time, and what are we trying to accomplish? Are we going for fun? training, or race. Each one of these take different mental and physical preparation. We plan our expected stops, you know, food, coffee, for me, bathrooms, right? And we also plan our anticipated pace. And even with all this planning ahead of time, the pilot has to communicate during the ride. Which sounds kind of odd, but as I'm riding as the pilot, when we're riding along the roads, I have to let the stoker know what is coming up on the road ahead, because if you remember from that picture, the stoker can't see directly in front of us. So in addition to those potholes and those bumps in the roads, I also let the stoker know when we're turning, when I may be braking, when I may be coasting or stopping pedaling, because our pedals are linked together. Since we're chained directly, whatever I do directly affects Jenny as the stoker on the back. While we could ride without this communication, and we've tried a couple of times, Um, it's not very pleasant. And Jenny's always reacting to what comes up on the road because she can't see it. So she gets hit with these sudden bumps, these sudden shocks, which are not any fun if you've... It's kind of like trying to imagine riding a bicycle blindfolded and not seeing, and then all of a sudden hitting some potholes or bumps. It's pretty jarring. It's pretty scary. So it, it makes the ride much less enjoyable to her if I'm not communicating and letting her know what's coming up. Sometimes one of the riders, hypothetically named Walt, <laughs> imposes some unrealistic expectations on the stoker, hypothetically named Jenny, and they fail to communicate beforehand. This can make for ugly words and unwholesome communication. So a few weeks ago, I surprised Jenny by taking the bike all the way down tramway, because we live up on the top there. Up up near Spain and Tramway, all the way down near the Sandia Casino. So as we're doing that lovely 30 minutes worth of climbing, there was a little bit of um, backseated communication that was a little less than honoring. So it abruptly stopped as we we're riding and having this not-so-great communication when another bicyclist came up alongside us and kind of got exposed to this, and it kind of embarrassed us tremendously. So we kind of realized at that point, that our communication doesn't just affect us. It can affect our kids, our friends, or as in our case, a total stranger who got exposed to this kind of ugly communication between the two of us. And this communication carries through in my relationship with Jesus. Am I communicating to him by praising him? Or am I constantly being demanding by imposing my own will or my own desires? Am I sitting on the back seat pouting and spouting out unwholesome words to Jesus? Which are not very beneficial because if I'm doing that, my prayers are all about me. And they need to be about him, about praising him. So since I was typically so busy in my prayer life asking for prayers about me, or I'm on the back of the bike just spouting out things, asking for questions or complaining, I'm not able to hear his quiet voice sometimes Which is telling us what direction we need to go and where we're going and when we're going to get there. So, what happens to me is I often fail to listen. I get so caught up in myself, I fail to listen. Are we listening to Jesus when he speaks to us into our lives through his word or through others in this church? This kind of reminds me of one of my favorite, it's a short verse, but one of my favorites is John 1.19, where it says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry." As I would tell the kids in church, that is why we have two ears and one mouth, right? We need to listen more than we need to talk many times. And that would have really, this verse would have really been handy as we were climbing up tramway that day, if we would have remembered that. And often listening is not easy to do, and it takes a long time to learn how to listen, especially to our spouse or to listen to others. It's not an easy thing, and part of that learning process takes a long time. It really does take perseverance to know that, which is my next point. One of our favorite verses is Hebrews 12.1, which says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run the race, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Riding a tandem is all about perseverance. Why? Because you can't stop in the middle of your journey, even when you're torturing your wife climbing tramway. right? Because if you stop halfway up, you're not getting to the end point of that destination that you want to get to. And a lot of times when we're pedaling, especially if it's a hard climb or a stiff headwind, I'll be sitting there riding and trying to do my thing and kind of on the back I'll hear this, let's keep swimming, let's keep swimming. So I'll kind of hear that on the back from Jenny. But, and I need to tell you something about being the pilot with Jenny on the back. I have to work hard, a lot harder than when I'm riding on a solo bike. It's kind of like marriage. We think it's easier when we're single, but when we get married, it takes a lot more work, but the benefits are much greater. And although there's two of us pedaling, and Jenny works hard to push us, it also takes a lot of work to watch for the hazards, communicate, and keep us moving in the path that we've agreed to ahead of time. Plus, believe it or not, the bike with both of us is really heavy. It's over 400 pounds of people, bike, water, and gear. I make up most of those pounds, okay? And it's a real workout every time we ride, especially if we're climbing hills or facing a stiff headwind, which kind of sounds like marriage, doesn't it, with its ups and downs. In our marriages, we're faced with these hills to climb, and sometimes we're faced with the really stiff headwinds that hit us head on. So we have to work every day to keep our relationships going in the right direction. We have to watch for hazards in both of our lives, and we have to push through the climbs and the stiff headwinds to keep us from from the depth, yeah, excuse me, and we have to keep going through the stiff headwinds which may seek to keep us from the destination we want as a couple. It truly takes perseverance. Marriage takes perseverance. And that's what what life is like with Jesus. Sometimes it's a slog where you just keep pedaling in that stiff headwind, and sometimes it is an amazing mountaintop experience where he blesses us with his presence and his provision. We find that we can experience more good times with him by persevering in our daily walk and not getting bogged down when we see a hill approaching or we start feeling those headwinds. For Jenny and me, we try to do Bible study every day. Sometimes it's just a few minutes. We try to send encouraging texts, emails to coworkers or others to really encourage them to know we're praying for them. Every day, simple things like that is things we can do. And we, and we try to see others around us like he does. And loving people, whether in church or out of it, is hard. People can be very, very frustrating, and yet we are called to love. We're not called to criticize, we are not called to judge, and we're not called to shame people for their shortcomings or for their unbelief. I would also say that we need to recognize that, that even if things get hard for us as Christians or we face trials, we know that our Lord leads us where He wants us to work for His glory of, and not ours. And as we we're told in James chapter 1, verses 2-4, through four, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It takes a lot of work. And while I want my relationship with Jesus and Jenny to be mature and complete, I have to do more than just persevere. At least for my marriage, I have to be trustworthy and protective of Jenny. And let's start with trust using the tandem. As we get on the bike, Jenny has to mount the back, kind of like a horse. So I'm sitting there with her legs across the top tube. She gets on the bike, both feet on the pedals. Her feet aren't on the ground. She has to trust me to hold her up until we get going. So once riding, as indicated, Jenny can't steer, and she really can't see where we're going. So all she can do is really hang on to the handlebars. While she's helping to excuse me, while she's helping to pedal, she is not changing our direction. So she is trusting me to get us where we need to go. So let me say that again: she is trusting me to steer in the direction that we need to go on the bike, and in our life. And trust is not easy. It took Jenny a while to get used to riding on the back of the bike with no ability to steer or stop the bike without my direct input. We had one situation where a car was coming at us from across the street, and I could see based on its speed and the orientation of the tires that it wasn't going to hit us, but but since she couldn't see as much, she saw the car and immediately stomped on the pedals in the back to try to stop us. We almost wiped out because of that. So we didn't communicate, and she couldn't see, so we really had a lot of issues going on, and she didn't trust that I knew what I was doing on the front. So we also had a few choice words, but since we've already talked about communication, we'll leave it there. But trust is also a choice with Jesus. How long does it take us to allow Jesus to steer our lives while we ride with him? Jenny's life verse is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. Isn't it great to know that when we trust in Jesus, he is trustworthy to direct us on the better path that he has laid out for us, not the one we may think is right, but often leads to the ditch on the side of the road. So we need to be following him and trusting him. And what is the path that Jesus leads us on? It is to follow him closely to know him intimately and to make him known to those around us. And that is the path that I want to follow. And that is the path I want Jenny and I to follow. And while I'm trusting in Jesus, I also know that I need his protection, which is my next point. Now let's take a quick, quick look at protection on the tandem. And this is a quote we were writing the other day and it was starting to rain. I said, hey, it's starting to rain. And Jenny's like, really? I can't feel a thing. Sometimes I'll say, gosh, it's really cold or it's really windy, and she's like, really? I don't feel that. And I'm like, well, you know, a lot of times her perception of the bike ride is a lot different than mine because I am protecting her by keeping the bad weather or the wind off of her. And in life, it is an honor to have that role as her husband, to keep off the harsh wind or the rain, kind of protect her. That doesn't mean that nothing hits her. She still gets some of it, but I do act as a windbreak and a rainbreak. And I often choose to give her some of my protect- protective gear, biking gear, especially if she doesn't have the right clothing for the ride, because I have been doing it a lot longer and I'm more experienced. The Bible informs us about God's protection. Now, while we want to see God's protection as some sort of magic force field around us where nothing hits us, we have to realize that that's not the case because we have our own free will. Many times, the Lord works in ways which we do not understand. Sometimes His protection comes in the form of peace peace and strength in the midst of despair. Other times, God's protection comes as He stands beside us in our pain and suffering, which many of us have been through or some of you are going through right now. He stands beside us. He protects us. As a believer in Jesus, we are promised a new life covered under the protection of God in which nothing can separate us from his love. Rest knowing that no matter what hardship you face, God is your protector and your provider. As it states in 2 Thessalonians 3.3, but the Lord is faithful and he will will strengthen you and protect you from the evil, evil one. While I know the Lord is faithful and trustworthy, Am I keeping up my end of the relationship? Or am I letting the chain that binds us get rusty? So let me ask, how do I prevent rust from forming on my bike chain? Any thoughts? Yeah, clean it, right? I heard clean it, maintain it, exactly. Maintain it. So whether it's your car, your house, or your marriage, Everyone looks at required maintenance differently. Some choose to ignore it or put it off until something big breaks or a major failure occurs. That is not the type of maintenance I want to talk about today. The type of maintenance I want to discuss is preventative maintenance. The tandem, believe it or not, needs a lot of preventative maintenance. So I need to do that to make it work as smoothly as possible. And we've had the chain lock up on us a couple times while on a climb, and it is really disconcerting and jarring when the bike stops unexpectedly. So we want to do that preventative maintenance to avoid that. So I regularly need to work on the tandem. I need to remove the the dirt and debris in the chains. I need to pick out any glass or goat heads in the tires. I need to fix flats, and I need to constantly check the tension in the cables. I need to clean it and tune it regularly. Sometimes it needs a touch-up paint. Sometimes it needs new reflective stickers on it. And before every ride, the tires need to be checked for the right amount of air. So that's for the bike. What about us? Jenny and I need to make sure that we stretch and we do the right things between rides. But while we're riding, we also need to do periodic refueling. And I typically pack all our nutrition and hydration when we ride, because again, I've been doing it a long time, and I want to make sure, and she trusts me to make sure that she has enough fuel for the ride, no matter how intense it is. My marriage relationship with Jenny needs similar preventative maintenance and refueling. Actually, it needs more the longer we are married. And why is that? Because the longer you are married, it is so easy to let disrespect and selfishness creep in the longer you are together. And the longer you become more familiar with each other. So we really have to do that preventative maintenance. Recently, some of our dearest friends divorced. And it was really really shocking and jarring. And it really had a great impact on their family, which I won't get into. But it impacted everybody who knew them. And it forced Jenny and I to relook at our relationship. And we had to really look at and focus on the joy of being together. And for us, spending time biking together is like an energy bar when our energy starts to wane. Jesus provides that energy into our relationship and into our lives when things are challenging. And preventative maintenance is going to look a little bit different for everybody. But for us, it includes spending time on the tandem together. And I cannot tell you how we both miss riding the tandem together if one of us is out of town, sick, or the weather's too crazy. Do you remember what word we used when we first started tandeming? Right? Didn't we use that D word? Yeah. We really look forward to it now. And yesterday we were actually able to get out yesterday and we just had a great time together. We just had that joy being together. Let's see. So I also want to have that same joyful attitude in my relationship with Jesus. His relationship with me needs daily maintenance. It needs to have air put in the tires. He needs to remove my goat heads and fix my flats. And it needs communication, direction, and perseverance. In essence, I need the daily Jesus energy bar. I need to have that every day as I move forward. So the scripture, oops, sorry. So what, how can I, or maybe us, here's some solutions, how can we do this? How does this happen? How do we get this daily Jesus energy bar? How do we get his energy every day? It can happen by spending time with Jesus in his word, connecting with other believers in small groups by praying for one another, and like doing earlier today, spending time in church where we can worship together with one another, by sharing Jesus with others and by serving others. The scripture, simple scripture that really speaks to me about daily maintenance is Matthew 611, which is part of Jesus' model prayer. I think everyone knows this. This portion says, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus did not instruct his followers to pray for a one time permanent solution to their daily needs. The point Jesus makes here is to pray in dependence on the Father, to ask him to meet the needs of each day. And in doing so, Jesus showed clearly that every one of us must rely upon him for every need for every day. This is our daily preventive maintenance that we need to perform in order to keep our chain from getting rusty. There's one common theme that all these points have. It's that we, or I, need to take action. For my marriage, I need to provide the direction and vision to keep our relationship in sync. I have to be willing to communicate, which includes listening. I have to be a participating and faithful teammate. I need to push myself and persevere through the hard times. I need to be a trustworthy and protective, I need to be trustworthy and protective of my wife and marriage. And I need to get on my hands and knees to perform the needed preventative maintenance on my marriage and relationship with Jenny. And I cannot do any of these things apart from Jesus in a way that honors Jenny. Because my own selfish actions and desires will usually get in the way of putting Jesus and Jenny first. I am very selfish. And I would love nothing more than to be able to ride my bike across the country while getting paid. (laughs) I'd love to do that. Jenny has said she would miss me. (laughs) (laughs) And as the pilot and the stoker are joined by a common chain, Jenny and I are joined by a common bond and by a, a commitment we made before Jesus in our wedding vows. We cannot go at different speeds or in different directions and have a great ride through life. We also have to communicate the hazards, obstacles, and steep climbs that, we are, that are upcoming, and we have to ride through them together or over them together. Now, if we had quit tandem riding after our first, second, or even fifth time, we would have missed out the joy we now experience when we get on this bike together so sometimes it takes time again goes back to that perseverance of dealing with one another we also must keep riding with Jesus in his rightful place as the pilot so let me ask what happens if we put Jesus in the backseat and we have our positions and we have our positions reversed yeah since Jesus is a gentleman He'll not kick you out of his position. He won't muscle you out of his rightful place. He'll let you keep doing it wrong because he loves you no matter what. We'll take the wrong turns. We'll go down the wrong roads. We'll run out of energy or we'll hit a dead end because we don't know the path that he's laid out for us. And that's if we have Jesus on the back with our positions reversed. So what if we don't even invite Jesus along for the ride? You know, Before we know Jesus or before we met Jesus, many of us probably thought, I know better than Jesus. He doesn't understand me or what I'm going through. Why do I even need him? I'm better off being a soloist. The reason is, we don't know the path that he has laid out for us. In essence, our life is going to be miserable. We may not think it before we meet him, but it will be. So if you're trying to live your life with Jesus in the backseat or no one in the backseat, it's probably the reason why your life may be really hard or you struggle all the time. I've tried riding the tandem without someone on the back. And interestingly enough, without someone on the back, this bike is pretty unstable. It is designed and made for two riders. It's kind of like how our life is designed to have Jesus in it. We have to be in that team with Jesus. So maybe you recognized that somehow you've gotten yourself into a mess. Your life is out of control and you can't fix it. And you may have hit what seems to be a dead end. Well, Jesus loves you so much that if you ask him, he will come into your life, into your heart, and he'll move into the front seat of your life. He will never let you down. And the two of you can ride your race together to the end of your life. Oh, and did I mention that someday you're going to die? I had to get that in for Dave. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, for some of us, that's closer than others. But he'll be with us through every one of our days once we let him be the pilot of our life. And you don't have to be a bicyclist to hop on a tandem with Jesus. But you do need to learn to... You do need to learn and grow with Jesus wherever He takes your life. And if you want to know more about riding your life with Jesus or putting Him first, after the worship team does one other song and and finishes here today, we'll have pastors, we'll have counselors, we'll have the people with with the prayer name tags up here that would love to meet you up front and that would love to pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that as I and that as we ride through life, that we don't ride as soloists. Father, that for those today who may not know you, who may not have ever experienced riding through life with you, that they can seek to join you, to seek to join your team, Jesus, and that we can join together with you in your rightful place as the pilot, as the leader, as the Lord of our life that we can truly go in the direction that you have planned for us and that we need to be going. And we know that the path is not always smooth, that we'll be going over bumps, that we'll have hard times, and we'll face those climbs and we'll face those stiff headwinds. But help us to know that you will be with us and you'll be there to guide us and give us the direction that we need. I thank you for this opportunity to share today. I thank you for everyone here at New Covenant Church, for this church family that is just so loving. And I praise you and thank you in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. Have a great week.